Good evening, Miss Floyd. How are you? Hey, Katie. I'm good. How are you? Ah, I'm doing okay. Finally, we got this thing connected. I'm, I know. I'm really happy we got this connected. I've been dying to get you on the show for what, the last year? <laughs> yes. Year, right? The year. Yes. But I get it. Yeah. I get it. I know I know what's been going on. Um, that's part of like why I wanted you on, because are you able to give updates on on any of that? I mean, when you know, or is that still something you would like? Yeah. Keep the wraps? Um, no, I can I can give updates. I'm prepared to you know talk about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. All right, so I'm gonna let you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, and um, then I'll I'll get into it from there. I'll ask you some questions from there. I gotcha. All right. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Dylan Floyd. I am a detective with the Bethel Police Department in Alaska currently. Uh, most of you, if you knew me, I was working for D.C. Housing Authority as a police officer in D.C. And I did that for about three years. And before that, I worked as a university police officer running the sexual assault program uh, over at Georgetown University and a little bit at American University. Well, I got my Master of Science in Terrorism and Homeland Security. Okay. All right. Impressive. I didn't even know all that. Just when you think you know somebody. <laughs> all right. So part of part of the intrigue for, I didn't say for me, but I think a lot of people in D.C. was, okay, here is this tall white girl, blonde <laughs> hair, working in the hood. Like working in the hood. Not only working in the hood. But for what I understand, what I understand, thriving in the hood, right? Like, yeah, everybody I talked to was like, yeah, she go out there and handle her business. And <laughs> it was, you know, you know, I got the feedback a little bit, you know, through the MPD guys and stuff like that. But everything was everything was positive, right? Because trust me, I wouldn't have you on if it wasn't. But everything was positive. <laughs> and it was like, damn, she got a raw deal. Like everybody was like, yeah, she got a raw deal over there at housing yeah you know what i mean yeah. she got a raw deal so like what led to that because you from what i understand like you were over there like you know kicking ass and taking names and you know doing doing work putting in work yeah um i definitely was um oh man there's so many things that led up to that event uh itself and you know it was it, everything that happened was kind of crazy because I, if you talk to me, just like you have and so many others, I really didn't have a negative thing to say about DC Housing Authority. In fact, I always spoke highly of it. Um, it was a place that I felt uh, relatively safe and backed yeah. by my officials, um, given the nature of the job. And that was something that I really respected about working for DCHA. Um, and then I got into this situation and I got the, the, the ugly head of of it. Um, I got the negative of all of the positive that I had been saying, you know, <clears throat> the positive things that I'd always said about DCHA was um, that it was kind of a great operated in the gray 90% um, mm -hmm. of the time. Um, and that worked for us. That's a, something that we uniquely had that ability to do because there wasn't a lot of people um, holding, not not necessarily holding us accountable, but really there wasn't a lot of oversight, yeah. uh, I would say, yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, when we go on a scene and, um, you know, MPD would 
go over the air and be like, you can't chase. And we'd be like, mm, you're not my sergeant. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, and we would keep going and um, our officials would, they wouldn't even go over the air. They would literally call us on our cell phones and be like, <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> you know? And so you're on the air calling out where you're going, trying to navigate on the computer, um, trying to get the tag and using the radio. And then you have your sergeant on the phone yelling, what the hell are you doing? You know, but they don't, they didn't necessarily care like, like MPD did. Um, so that situation, um, the, the person that I was, um, gotten to the fight with, uh, happened in the locker room and, um, you know, the whole situation happened because she was, I was training this person who was on our unit for the, um, crime abatement team, which DC housing authority still (laughs) says doesn't exist and is not a unit, which is really funny because we had patches of our own and it's on legitimate official documentation, which I actually just, uh, was flown to DC to testify for. And one of that, one of those documents, you know, my report said I was on assigned to this patrol on this unit, blah, blah, blah. And it was approved by their own officials. So I found that really funny hindsight, but, um, (laughs) You know, there was a lot yeah. of inconsistencies that uh, DCHA had, and um, the the sum of the story is, you know, this uh, person that I was training um, was assigned to our unit. We had been butting heads. I was the, um, other than the sergeant, the highest ranking uh, person on the unit, and so that person, it was essentially my job to keep that person in check, make sure that they're getting done what they need to be, you know, needs to get done and handling their business and correcting the situation if it's not being done the right way. Um, And I think that as a unit, we really collectively work together. Those guys were my brother. Um, They're my brothers, you know, and um, we all knew how each other moved. We knew each other's faults, you know, and we, we love each other, you know, uh, because of those faults as well. Um, Not just in spite of, but because of, and we knew how to pick up the slack and how to really talk to each other and just better each other. Um, This person came into the unit to train with us and she could not take any of the pressure when we would have our friendly debates and roll calls she uh you know she would she would say that it was somebody else's fault or that you weren't doing your job or something you know whatever and um you know when you do those mock scenarios when you're going back and forth with someone acting like you're the defense attorney and you're going through because you just had a big drug arrest we go over things like that and she would blame all the inconsistencies on other officers which is is not what you do that's not how you handle the pressure um you need to be built be able to clearly articulate what happened you know, if there was a failure in, in that situation, you need to be able to explain what that failure was, why it happened and how you fixed it. Um, and that was the kind of things that we were kind of pushing. Um, and this person just failed, uh, at doing that and just, just basically scapegoated everything. Um, she eventually ended up threatening, uh, me and, um, ended up that night that everything went down. It was after a shift and she ended up uh, threatening my life. And like I said, we got into, you know, the physical altercation and, um, I wasn't going to let someone who is supposed to be a person that I don't care if you hate me personally, like on the street, you're my sister, you're my brother. I've got your back. No one knows otherwise. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we got into it and we had to be separated by other officers, which is not my proudest moment. I admit. Um, but, uh, it was self-defense on my, on my end. Um, 
and I ended up reporting it. I, my, I wasn't, it's not that I had planned on it. It was just still heat of the moment. And my sergeant, for whatever reason, called up it, uh, and I answered my phone because I always answer my sergeant's calls. And I, he, well, we were still in the locker room and he called up and I answered and, you know, he could hear the female screaming through my phone because I, you know, it just answered. It was just such a loud commotion. And um, him and another sergeant came up and, you know, I, I told her um, when we were in the altercation, I was like, if you threaten me again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to place you under arrest. You know, I'm going to lock you up. And she was like, you ain't going to do shit, bitch. You know, blah, blah, blah. All the standard shit um, started threatening me again. So I went to put a handcuff on her and that's how that uh, started. And so I was like, all right, you're under arrest, whatever. Um, and she wasn't, she's not a full sworn police officer. This officer is an you. SPO. Yeah, that's no. what I'm about to ask you. So with that being no. said, she's not, Yeah. you know, we know what sworn is. So we, yes. we sworn, we, you know, we go through that whole nine yards. So yeah. how did she, and I guess, I guess you training her, but what made her think that she was a police officer? I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like. I'm yeah. not laughing at her, but you know what I'm saying. Some of them SBO, yeah. you know, they go a little too far. Yeah, and and that's kind of part of the situation. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to say something too negative because a lot of um, good friends of mine, you know, have been SPOs, are SPOs, and they're working to become sworn, and that's that's entire that's great. They continue their training, their education, right. and they learn, and they're willing to learn and adapt. Um, but she was brand new to being an officer. She was, I think, 21 or 22, you know, thought she knew it all, had a very entitled attitude. Um, 40 hours of classroom training from a person who was not an officer. So there's that. Um, but housing will never, you know, put that out there. <laughs> so so what, what her duty? Like, okay, was she out on the street with you? I mean, I guess she was. Was she supposed to be out on the street with you guys or like in a building? Yeah, she was out on the street with us. Um, it was supposed to be the day that everything happened. It was her certification day, meaning she was going to go out like on a post or on one of the properties by herself. Um, so for, for, for the audience perspective, um, if you don't know what a special police officer is, if you walk into, I hate saying it this way because it really, um, I'll say, it's really derogatory to a lot of, a lot of people who are actually really great, but if you walk into a CVS and you see a security officer right. yep. there, you know, they have, they have the authority to arrest in the building or essentially put handcuffs on and wait till, you know, another officer from the city jurisdiction gets there and they can essentially conduct a, an arrest by that means. And you take that person to jail uh, for them. So right. that's, that's kind of what that means. Um, and uh, to put it in, in, in simple terms, because like I said, I really have such great friends that ha are SPOs um, and not everyone is like that, but a lot of them just go above and beyond. They want to be these super cops yes. and they don't have the training to do it. Yes, yes, yes. So. I can attest to that so many times being called to that CVS at 7th and H, you know, Chinatown. And uh, mm -hmm. we had big problems with you know, that agency that worked down there, because we like, brother, there is no such thing as mutual combat. You like, bro, you can't like what are you like, what are you <laughs> doing? Why are you outside the store? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you can't yeah. you can't do that stuff. You can't. Yeah. And it's like, well, your general order say you're supposed to handle rest. And see, that was it for me. I was like, bro, negative. No, negative. Yeah. You you would never get MPD to handle anything anymore because it's the way you carried it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, be humble yeah. with it. We all had to be humble in the beginning 
I'm not handling yeah. your messed up arrest because my name is the one going in that computer. And you know what I'm talking about when it comes yeah. to it. Yeah. You yep. bear me a witness. You know and that I mean? was my yeah and that was my big um problem with with this was that at the end of the day it's going to be my ass on the line because you know she was trained by me you know so whatever she does it reflects poorly or positively on me and for all intents and purposes it was poor um you know so and she's not the first person i've trained i've never had a conflict with anyone i've trained in the department at all i've had conflicts in my department before that people i didn't get along with but we you know we crush it move on we have a conversation and we move on you know keep it moving that's that's how it goes um and on the street we we still backed each other up like you know whatever so um so yeah, so the situation happened, um, sergeants came up, I reported it to them, I was like, no, I want her arrested, blah, 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 still on site. Um, and my agency said, oh, we'll deal with it tomorrow. We'll deal with it next week when you come oh, back, wow. you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, excuse me. Um, yeah, so that meant, you know, there was a rug somewhere yep. that they were gonna lift and cover, so. Yeah. Um, after, after that happened, I was, I was still, you know, in a lot of shock. And so I, I basically called one of my mentors from MPD and I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to throw him under the bus. Um, and he gave me some, some guidance and someone who'd known me from day one of the Academy and that just really, you know, looked out for me and helped me out. Um, and so, and knew me, you know, through the Academy, through times where I was struggling and, also someone that I'd worked with on the street that I've just seen repetitively on, you know, come out to my calls or, or whatever the case may be in multiple uses of forces that he had seen for me. And, and, you know, so this person hadn't had really known me. Um, so, well, they're retired now, so I guess it's fine. But um, mm -hmm. so he helped me and connected me and said, you know, yeah, that's not right. I've never heard of anything in my, yep. you know, 20 something years of law enforcement and yep. MPD. So never you deal with that right then and there because there's liability involved because something happens after you cut that person loose and you don't do anything yeah. you're liable either way you can't exactly. do that as a supervisor you have to squash it handle it listen i'm taking yeah. your gun your gun your gun i see you guys tomorrow morning something yeah but you yeah can't. I, and yeah you know what i mean you can't let that roll like that so yeah i smell i smell the cover and a cover up and kind of sweeping it under the rug so she was and a, I've seen, yeah. I'm just saying, she's an SPO. What was, what was, why did they want to keep her? What did you, did you push somebody's buttons? Was that it? Where, you know what I mean? Where they were like, okay, she's going to cost us money, you know, one of them type deals? My then, presence in housing authority was very controversial. Um, I believe it was mostly based on my appearances. Um, for many different reasons, um, because I'm a built white girl, like I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I I came in to do my job and I did it well. That right. was that was my goal. I wasn't there to be anybody's friends. I wasn't there to make enemies. That's for sure. But I definitely didn't care if you liked me or not. I was going to go out and do the same job regardless. Um, and that was part of the beauty of being at housing because there really wasn't a lot of politics that yeah. at least that I was aware of. That I, I just kind of I stayed out of the office. So when I was out of the office, I was in my own car. I did my own thing. Occasionally someone would ask me to do something, you know, that was not something I liked, but I did it anyway, because it's easier. 
it's and it's so much faster and less time consuming to just do what your sergeant is asking you to go out of your way and drop papers off or some stupid admin task that you can easily do rather than have to argue about for 30 minutes when it could have already been done like that's just such a waste of energy so um but anyway when when this the situation happened um the next day I was like, all right, well, if my agency is not going to do anything about it, at least I have another agency I can report to because it falls within their jurisdiction. So uh, I went to MPD. OMB? Huh? SOMB. Doesn't she fall under some SOMB and security operations? Yeah, she does. Um, I Well, I went to MPD. I filed a police report with them. Um, some sergeants and a detective took my report uh, and the lieutenant. And... Um, they notified SOMB on my behalf and yeah, um, they filed charges against her and, um, and the DA's office declined to prosecute. Um, now then, so fast forward to, uh, the next week I come in for my shift and I was told to come in an hour or two late and, you know, I get in there and they, they're telling me that I'm placed on leave. They don't say that I'm, they said I'm, you know, I'm being placed on leave and um, under investigation. I said, okay, what's the investigation for? Is it because I filed charges against her? Because yep. I know you guys were notified. Like, what is that? That's what yep. I assumed it was. Um, he said, I don't know. You'll have to talk to the lieutenant. He'll be in contact with you. Um, <laughs> you can't. I said, okay. That's not how it works. No, it's not. So yeah. Oh. So I, I said, okay. Um, they, I. Um, <laughs> I turned in, turned in my gun and badge, uh, cleaned out my locker. Cause I was like, I already know the way this is going to go. Like, I'm not going to take that risk. I don't want anyone having access to my locker whatever. Um, so I got stuff out of there, turned in my stuff. I left. Um, and then it was a waiting game for three months, three months before I was even asked for a statement of anything. Um, it was about, it was about three weeks before the MPD detective, um, who was excellent. Um, uh, gave me a call. He interviewed um, everyone that I that had been there. Um, oh, and my agency that that night I was like, they were trying to send us all home, and I said, no, I want I want 119s on everything that happened right now. I said I need a 119 from every one of my people that were involved. I'm not leaving here without 119s because I know what this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I want 119s. I was right. like, I'm not writing my I'm not writing my statement, but I want 119s from everybody else. Um, you know. So it was only because I refused to leave in that um, that I actually got something on in writing from my my associates, um, and it was no fault of their own. But the command staff didn't want to do it, and I was like, "That's not the procedure." So, yeah. So um, about sometime in October. So this happened early September, about early October. Um, I was told that you know they're filing charges against her. About a week after they tell me that um, this female that was involved uh i find out gets arrested for another assault for domestic violence um yeah so there was that and did i hear anything about it nope did housing hear anything about it was she fired nope um and then late november still no one talks to me um about late i'm sorry late october my lieutenant finally calls me and I said, Hey, I have, a, I have an attorney, um, you know, through the FOP and, you know, you guys need to talk to him, whatever. So I gave my statement through my attorney to, to them. Um, and, um, 
late no and then there was a dead silence radio silence uh late november i stopped receiving a paycheck um no one had called me no one talked to me um i stopped re receiving my paycheck and i was like that's weird like maybe um maybe they just forgot this week right. whatever people have payroll problems i get it so i called over to day work uh one of the sergeants answers and she says oh you were you were terminated i said I i'm <laughs> sorry what where was my, where was any of this information going to be translated to me? Right. Um, you know, for what? Um, she says, oh, I don't know. You need to talk to like your lieutenant, blah, blah, blah. I was like, they don't return my calls. Right. Um, HR, I emailed HR. They don't return my calls. They don't return my emails. I have records and records and records and records of emails that I have sent to DCHA with no return. So I'm, I'm emailing them um, for the next two months. And then finally in January, the end of January. So I, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out. I, I lost my job. I wanted to be a cop yeah. my entire life. So, you know, I went through a really tough time. I didn't really want to see people because I didn't want to have to talk about it. It was under investigation. I didn't want to incriminate, you know, so I kind of pushed a lot of people away, but a lot of people also were there for me and stuck around. And I really appreciated that. And um, yeah, weren't they? Yes, they were, including you. Thank anyway, you. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, late January, I get an email from from the HR office, and it says after like my eleventh email, at least, you know, sending sending emails uh, nonstop. Uh, it says, oh, uh, you know, this is actually your termination letter. This is your back pay. Blah blah blah. Like all this stuff. Um, and I was like, that's good. Cause I was trying to find a lawyer, but I couldn't afford, uh, personally, I just couldn't afford to put down any, um, any payments for a lawyer, you know? So, so, um, it just, it just was a crazy process. And in the meantime, after I was terminated, I, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to give up on this. This is not what I believe in. I know I was made to, you know, being a cop is my calling. And I, um, talked to someone from a newspaper and I talked to him about it and um, that article was published at, uh, with my consent and um, and I didn't know where he was going to go with the article so I really just kind of took a risk I just wanted to lay out facts and um, you know and, and people came forward for me that you know really put a lot on the line because um, there was a couple people during this process that uh, stuck their necks out for me and they were threatened to be fired for doing so um, in, in front of multiple people, uh, which you can't do as an agency. What you do in your personal time is your personal time. So, um, but, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, from, from these people. And um, there was just, you know, so much drama from it, so much just idiocracy. And what is that final, I mean, they just, okay, we done with it. They like, is there no accountability for them at this point at all? Like, okay, we just did this and it is what it is. We treated her like that and that's it. You know, I reached out to the attorney general's office. I reached out to the, um, what is it? OIG, uh, the yeah. investigator general's office. I reached out to um, the federal, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like the office of, um, risk management. I reached right. out, to, I reached out to everybody. I reached out to attorneys, um, you know, and everyone said, oh, this is not, there's, you know, this is, it's not, it's not my jurisdiction. I'm not part of it. You need to reach out to this person. And it just took me in a full circle. And um, DCHA didn't give a flying fart in space. And I tell people that was 98% of the reason I left DC because it was, 
it was it just wasn't fun anymore and it was mm -hmm. i'm coming to work with a headache for a check great yeah great. yeah but it was not worth everything that i was losing um in that process and you know you got guys and you know that you probably still talk with people for mpd it, it's it's getting worse and they they're short as hell and this is not oh, the but you know what I'm saying? Management, well, they don't really care. You know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. Conti left. I did never think Conti would leave. Yeah. You know, I worked for that man at two yeah. times. And he said, I've had enough of this. Homicide, mm -hmm. murders. And you you know this more than I do. Shooting, shooting, domestic, shooting, shooting, domestic. This was daily, all day, yeah. all, all night. Yeah. And it wears on you mentally and it like for me i was like no we gotta have some fun like you know what i mean it's like okay and you learn like i did right and you probably know this you always think the big agency is you know they have great toys and stuff at times and all that. but what i did not realize sometimes when you go to a smaller agency man you get better stuff you get schedules mm -hmm. you get things that you were missing at those huge agencies, those huge police agencies, because you you were just a number. You know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. you know, the chief I work for now, you know who he is, he's like, I'm taking care of my officer. What do you guys want? What do you guys need? It, I you, have you to know, tell I, you, yes. About, it. Oh, yes. Your chief that you work for now, um, he still texts me and checks on me and says, Hey, you know, you know, obviously, you know, I didn't, I didn't end up going there, but yeah. he still texts me and says, Hey, I just wanted to check on you. I hope you're doing well. I'm really proud of you. You know, keep, keep, keep going. And, and it's so yeah. sweet. Like that is so incredible. Yeah. You know that you don't get that from some, you know, a lot of management because it's, it's like from the top, we about call yeah. them. We got to get the numbers down. The citizen want to see the lights on. And it's like, well, wait a minute. We fail to protect and take care of good police officers. And that's the state of policing. That's why we're in a sad state of policing now. It, it is a mm -hmm. citizen, but you know this. I'll take a shitty citizen any day because I can deal with that over the management at a shitty department. You yeah. know what I mean? I can deal with the citizen. I'm used to that. We walk out of a roll call. we like, here we go. But mm -hmm. the shitty man and how they treat you is what, what, in my opinion, is driving officers away and driving them into retirement and they go into smaller departments. Like, I love to see it. I really do. But I've never felt this relaxed going on calls in my life because there is nobody saying, you know, how, how, how long is he on scene? Time check. Uh, dispatch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just all that. It's like, hey, you the police, handle your business. When you finish this scene, do the report. Not, you know, and you know, Prince George's County has its areas, but it's still a total different vibe. And I, I love it. That's what I said. Yeah. I love to see people happy. And we gotta put this smile back on police officers because we let people take it away from us. And like bro, like the to me, one of the best jobs in the world. In the world. Yeah, you I yeah. You know what I mean? I would I do the best. So I love small agencies. I, I believe that, you know, the bigger agencies, there's, there's two, there's politics everywhere. Don't get me wrong.
but the bigger agencies, there is just so many politics that you're not even aware of that you are actually being affected by every single day. The reason you didn't get the assignment you wanted was because someone said X, Y, Z about you. And it wasn't even fucking true. And you'll never even know what happened, but someone said it about you. So that's what it is. Like that's the perception in a small agency. You essentially become a family, you know, you're, you really become a family and, um, you get these opportunities that you wouldn't get at other agencies, these personalizations, essentially, you get to know your command staff. It's not this divided line, right? There's still a chain of command, but you know, you get the chief going, Hey, I heard your, you know, your dog died or are you okay? You know, and I would never hear that from anyone else, you know? So we we had lieutenants that wouldn't even speak to us. We had a, Oh yeah. Captain, oh my God, you probably know he is, little short dude. He just like, yo, you're a ten year captain. You should be humble, but he never spoke to us, and it's okay. But it's like, yeah, you're the troops. The troops are out there. They're the the people out there that you want to do the work for you, and you treat, you know, you, you treat these guys the, the worst. And that's what I say. I love it. Like I am, I have been thrilled again to be, you know, to wear the badge and put the uniform on. Because I don't go to work with headaches, worrying about, damn, am I going to get a shitty assignment? You know, I got this time on, but I'm going to get shitty. Oh, hold up. Or am I going to be on a hospital detail for the whole damn shift? You know what I mean? Oh, the- my gosh. Yes. Yeah. We none of that. It, none of that. No. I, yeah. Yet, because things are managed much differently. And I love it. Getting your take on, go get gas, go do what you yeah. want. You handle your calls, anything you want to do in between. And then, you know, go home. And and that's what, it. I love it. Well, the other thing, the other thing about small agencies is, um, and I'm sure that you can speak to this as well, because you, you're running this podcast and all of the things that you've done at your essentially extracurricular activities um, that big agencies would never allow you to do. You know, yeah. me, you obviously, you know, I do modeling. I have my butt on, you know, on my right. Instagram. Um, I, you know, but, but I also, you know, I post funny videos I post in, in uniform. Um, and at the end of the day, I, and, and my baggage that came with everything that happened with housing at the end of the day, um, I could have quit before they fired me with their official letter, but I didn't, (laughs) I wanted them to fire me because I was like, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. And if I want to fight this, I will, and I'm going to do it this way, but you're going to, it's going to be your ass, not mine. So I came to this agency and with, you know, the agency that you're at and one other before I made a decision and I laid my life out on the line. I said, Hey, I do modeling in my spare time. I make funny videos that are only funny to me, but I really like them and it makes me happy. (laughs) You know, I have a dog that I absolutely love and adore and that I would do anything for. I want to go back and get my PhD. And now I am. And, you know, and I come with X, Y, and Z baggage. This is me. This is my raw deal that I have. I'm laying it out there because I don't want you to find something out about me and say, oh, well, you didn't tell us this. I would rather, you know, and say it's either yes or no. And that's okay if it's no, but that, that, that ability to be able to have done that and then look at the full picture and not just focus on, oh, well, you were fired. So you know, it's an acceptance and an understanding of all of the facts and them doing their own research, which should tell you something else, you know, that I I was offered another, you know, three agencies offered me positions. And I took the one that, you know, was the most challenging for me, (laughs) you know, but that, that acceptance and that for me, 
that that creates loyalty for, to a department and that's, um yeah that's just so, what I, that's what i was about to tell yeah. you yeah exactly. yeah it's you a see? loyalty yeah like i do anything for the chief he called me hey man you gonna work today you work your old, off day and i'm looking at him like you know like through the phone like come on chief like for real but mm -hmm. the other side of that is like man that man did anything for me you know coming on that agency yeah i got you chief give me an hour yeah. thank you yeah and chief i want to go to training i want to go to close i'm supposed to go to training and yes you can go like you know it wasn't that whole you gotta, yeah you gotta go to this person request this from the training coordinator see if they like you if they don't like you you're not gonna get it he's like no yeah I get you rifle training i get you close quarter combat training whatever you can go it's in north carolina chief Okay, that's fine. We pay for it. When have you heard yep. that? Yeah, they fly us um, from Alaska. We work so we work two weeks on, two weeks off. Um, and during the two weeks that we are working, it is twelve-hour shifts. And if you're on day work, you're on call at night. If well, for the detectives at least, for patrol officers, they rotate. So like they'll still be on call. They'll be on call for like one week, and then the other officer will be on call for another week if there's minimum staffing. Um, but if there is more than that, it'll, you know, they trade off, you know, three days, four days, whatever. But it, point in cases, you're you're on for, for two weeks, you're there, you live in officer housing, you're all together, you, you're all chill. Um, one of our officers lives with the chief, I live with my lieutenants, um, and then other officers live together in another, uh, two other houses. Um, and a couple of the dispatchers also live with us. Like, oh, um, wow. we, yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome. We, we have our take on those. We, um, you know, there's, there's like one restaurant in town, <laughs> but you know, like you can go do whatever that's your, that's your life. You're all there together. You know, we, we play pranks on each other. No one thankfully has sprayed mace on my phone yet, but now that I have my own desk, I'm very fearful. Um, <laughs> but we play pranks on each other. We put, you know, we pick up drunks. We'll put an alcohol bottle in the back of, you know, our person's, uh, you know, our friend's cruiser. And put it in the windshield wiper and just wait till they notice because it looks hilarious when they're driving around town with an alcohol bottle there, you know. So it's it's these little camaraderies that make it make it yeah. you know so great. Yeah, and they they have taken a lot of that away. Remember, you we used to have quad practice in the back of Seven D, all that. They stopped that. <laughs> yeah, would you stop that? Well, uh, nobody could see in the back of Seven D. It's a big old big ass eight foot fence. But you had the whole shift out there having fun. They don't nobody does that stuff anymore because it's like, well, somebody snitched and says, it's to say what? We're out there talking and having fun. We you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So they stuff like that, you know, they stop. So like I said, I'm I'm glad my current agency does things like that. And yeah, I'm 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 happy. But look, let me ask you this. So you were on um Silverback podcast, right? Yeah, those are my boys. Yeah, I heard you were too. And they, we had, we, and as you know, great episode, right? We, we, yeah. they get down with it. I love it, right? So, yes, they're having a fair tomorrow night. Are you going out there? Yeah, why not? Okay, because they, everybody that was a guest, they're inviting up to, you know, up to Baltimore. Everybody, yeah, yeah. Go. you know, it yeah. should be really cool. It should be really cool, really cool. I think even the guy from I can't always forget his name. The guy from Walking Dead, um, what was his name? The Rick's friend. You know, he played in We Own the Night, but he I played. Know you're talking about, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, like he because he was on the podcast. 
Yeah. So he, he they're all supposed to be there. So, you know, I'm going up because this is yes. I'm on day work Friday night. So everybody's going to be car there. Can we carpool? Can we carpool? Yeah, <laughs> because I'm, I'm definitely going because, like I said, you know, they invited us and everybody on the show is going to be there. And I was like, all right, you know, let's go up and, you know, and network because a great networking opportunity. And yeah, I, I went to their, yeah, they're the best. I went to their last one in um, Falls something, Falmouth? Falls, no. Falls Point? Falls Point in, yeah, it's like in Baltimore, kind of. Fells Point, yeah. Yeah, Fells Point, there we go. Yeah, I went to that one, that one was awesome. So yeah, yeah I'll definitely be there. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do, right? You have been a great guest, and finally I got you on. I'm going to... When we publish this, I'm going to add, uh, hopefully, send me a link or something for your news articles, because I want to add that onto the promotion, you know, promotional stuff with it, too. If you can, if you have, you know, some kind of yeah, article. Yeah. I want to add that on, whatever. And then I'll, you know, we're going to publish it and, you know, I'll let you know, whatever. We'll talk about that. But I listen, you're a great guest. I, I could not wait to get your story out, because a lot of people you know, probably had misconceptions about what happened. Not that you care. Oh, yeah. No, wait I a minute. I think y'all probably need to hear the story because it's not, I know her personally. Mm -hmm. It's not just a white girl trying to act a fool and run things. No, 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 no. She's a professional police officer from, yeah. you know, from my time, you know, knowing her, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to edit publish and everything with this and I'll be in touch with you after we get off of air. And again, thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming on the podcast and it's really blowing up and real quick, let me say I know I'm so proud of you. It, it looks, this thing has really, really um, I have some great guests coming up, right? But I got uh, what four or five sponsors and that's why I give a shout out to this last one, Cruiser Vids. My man does, if you have an agency and you want any any kind of video, you know, stuff done or photographs, whatever, he is excellent at it. He's um, on my page also. So reach out to him or reach out to me. And again, thank you for being on the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Let's talk law enforcement. Have a good evening.